and welcome to episode 9 of the Talking with Apes podcast. The podcast where we, a group of young activists, discuss a new socio-political topic every week. Um, this time it was actually a combination of two articles that caught our eye uh, and prompted us to do this podcast. The two articles were posted in The Guardian, one on the 19th of July and the other one only two hours ago. So it's a recent topic and it's an important uh, topic. Today we are discussing the infamous Pegasus project. Um, activists and lawyers are at risk across the globe and you might be wondering what is this Pegasus project you're talking about? Why is it why am I at risk by it? Uh, Keenan, why don't you explain what the Pegasus project entails? Um, okay, so Pegasus is the uh, name of a spyware software. Uh, developed by a private company in Israel called the NSO Group. And it's a way to exploit your phone to get your data, get your location. Um, it's an easy access kind of uh, malware that can be installed on your phone. And the way it, it's been revealed to the public was four or five years ago, by Citizen Lab, a, hmm, a Citizen Lab is kind of a, a research team in Toronto, Canada, and it it was described as like the uh, the closest thing we have to a community um, NSA. It's a cybersecurity firm, kind of, but it's more it does more um, volunteer things. Um, a journalist called Ahmed Mansour, who was also a an opposition in the opposition of the United Arab Emirates government um, received a suspicious message on his phone saying, here, let's get you some secret information about the government. He didn't trust it. He sent his phone to Citizen Lab in Canada and Citizen Lab found over nine months or something, found what they described as the most sophisticated spyware ever developed. Um, it's uh, in opposition to what you would know about uh, other spywares. This is something more targeted. That's why Morgan said it's uh, lawyers and activists. It's usually costing the clients a lot of money. That's why it's um, kept for high profile targets. Um, some of the targets you might have have heard of are um, Jamal Khashoggi, um, the journalist who was dismembered in the embassy in Saudi Arabia. Um, and that's one of the highest uh, profile targets I can think of. With now also rumors uh, going around that Emmanuel Macron might be targeted. Uh, the Charles Belgian Michel. Prime Minister was on the list. Yeah, Charles Michel, uh, former Belgian Prime Minister, now President of the EU. Um, and officially the list is only used for yes, um, terrorists, if right? We give in a, so according to NSO Group, this private cybersecurity firm based in Israel, they are saying that we developed this and we only sell it to pre-approved, legit clients. And these clients are governments who are fighting organized crime and terrorism. That's the official story here. So, yeah, that's the, that's what Pegasus is. It's a spyware developed by a private company, by a private firm. But now there was a leak of the list of people that are actually being 
investigated well, or like they they have found a way of reconstructing a list. We, like we've that. we've known kind of for three years at least now that the story of it being used for quote unquote terrorists and organized crime is bullshit because we've always known that one of the biggest clients of uh, NSO is the Saudi government and the United Arab government. And Most democratic. Yes. <laughs> what 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 these governments consider to be crime is women's driving, at least until two years ago. So and now clearly terrorists that need to be stopped. Yeah. So it's. I mean, we have a saying in Belgium: "Vrouwen sturen bloed." Oh, oui. Yeah, this country isn't as progressive as people might think. Um, yeah, just uh, just saying. Just because we don't have a law against it doesn't mean that there's no uh, problems here. But that's a side note, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> but um, actually, like, talking about the driving ban, um, I'm trying to remember her name, I can't remember, but she's one of the most high-profile activists in Saudi Arabia. She she was tracked by this spyware, caught, um, tortured. I'm going to butcher the name, but I think it's Lujan al Lujain Al-Hadlul? Al-Hadul. Al-Hadul. Lujain Al-Hadul. Thank you, Keenan. Hadluli. Yes, she has been actually... Yeah, she was caught by the Saudi officials using this technology. So, yeah, and she... She was abducted in the United Arab Emirates in 2018 and forced to return to Saudi Arabia where she uh, was imprisoned for three years and allegedly tortured. And allegedly raped. So I wasn't aware of that one. Um, <laughs> but it's not the biggest surprise. part of torture when women are involved? I honestly haven't read up on that specific subject yet, but I, it doesn't surprise me. She was tortured, she was beaten, she went on hunger strikes, she was... Uh, I mean, the official story here will tell you, like the Saudis will tell you, that they did actually hold her in solitary confinement for three years almost. Jesus Christ. And they didn't allow her to communicate with her family or her sisters or anybody. Um, after three or four years, she was uh, sentenced to a travel ban where she can't really travel around. On Saudi Arabia, she can't really leave home. Um, but yeah, this it's is this is kind of off topic. Arrest. It's just one of the many um, direct or indirect results of this software. I mean, let's go over the other list of just to get a sense of yes. we, who which people are targeted. Like, um, so in Azerbaijan, it is um, female activists targeted by uh, sexual compromising material. Um, in, they um, hacked her phone and posted her nudes. Yeah, so yeah, Ilham Aliyev. I think. Um, ah, no, that's the dictator. Them, that yeah, sorry. Yeah, the, dicta <laughs> yeah, the dictator of Azerbaijan. And <laughs> uh, no, the person is actually a journalist called Fatima uh, Movlamli. I'm probably also pronouncing. I, that. I actually don't know. How At to the time, that. 18 she, years she old. She was just 18. Yeah. She was just 18. Um, yes. In India, uh, numerous yeah. activists were targeted. Uh, among them. Uh, Umar Khalid, the student activist uh, at, uh, the, at the university in Delhi and leader of the Democratic Students' Union. Um, writers, lawyers, artists who advocate for the rights of indigenous community and low-caste Indians were uh, targeted. Uh, it included a 84-year-old uh, uh, Jesuit priest uh, who died months after contracting COVID-19 in prison. 
Um, it involved the Saudi Arabia uh, women's rights activists. Uh, in Mexico, campaigners, lawyers, and rights defenders have been targeted. All of the anti-corruption um, movement in Mexico. A judge. Everyone who... Like, that's the thing. This is something that actually reached the cartel itself. The yeah, cartel is using this. Um, and lawyers, lawyers especially also stand out. It's activists yes. and lawyers. Uh, a British uh, lawyer uh, that specifies in uh, human rights cases um, and defended a, a person, a student that was jailed in the United Arab Emirates uh, got targeted. Um, yeah, French human rights lawyers. It really goes all it's over the globe. Yeah, any, any, any... See, the person of interest in these lists is usually an activist, a journalist, or a lawyer that is involved in a high-profile case of usually activism or a human rights issue. Um, one of the other examples is uh, Princess Latifa, who's uh, the daughter of one of the UAE uh, leaders. Mm. Who She tried to run more than one time from there, and she actually waited to Rwanda one time. And even then, she was handed to the UAE um, government by the officials use, because they could track her using Pegasus. Um, now I see a news article, Princess Latifa campaigner had phone compromised by Pegasus spyware. It's just been like confirmed by the British intelligence. So this is something that is... Um, like there is... The news article here, the news item here, is, is not really up for debate anymore. We know that these people's phones, these people's private lives, these people's track records, their people's, these people's locations have been compromised and sold to the highest bidder, basically. Yeah, and to the clients of, of the company of NSO, um, which are, among others, uh, the Moroccan government, the Azerbaijan government, the Mexican government. The Hungarian and government. The Hungarian government. And, I mean, um, we'll, um, we'll talk about the, the sister company a little bit later, which lengthens the list even further. Um, but yeah, it goes far wide and very, very deep into people's personal data. Um, And of course, yeah, the company. And, uh, the company said um, a very famous quote that has been abused and used so much <laughs> in history. Um, well, they they basically went to the old Nazi saying of, um, "If you don't have anything to hide, uh, there is no need for you to be afraid. If you're not a criminal, there is nothing to worry about. Exactly. After denying, first of all, that they yeah. were involved in any of these cases at any point in time. And they, they still yeah. categorically deny it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, then they came up with that brilliant argument, which has apparently an entire Wikipedia page dedicated to its pointlessness. Um, yeah. So our discussion here today is about basically, well, of course this is fucked up. How do we uh, go on about it? And we mentioned the Pegasus Project, which is basically the investigative in investigation into the Pegasus spyware. It's um, more than 20, 25 media outlets and companies um, putting together their resources, sharing an open investigation into this. The Guardian, Al Jazeera. Um, With technical support from Amnesty International Security Lab. Um we are talking about something here that is um, like 
even people we usually consider to be the bad guys, like Facebook and Apple, are like, we're suing. Yeah, so um, for those that might remember, um, a while back, a few years ago, uh, WhatsApp was compromised. Remember that big alarm that yeah. was raised like, oh my God, WhatsApp might be infected by this very common malware. Um, and Apple was like, shit, shit. And, and, and uh, WhatsApp and Facebook themselves were like, please update because this is a serious threat. Turns out that was, or turns out we knew uh, back then even, it was NSO. That's when they were discovered for the first time because they had been making I guess as in secret kind of for a while. Um, seeing this, it sounds like a bad like action movie or spy movie. It really um, is, and like, but the truth <laughs> is, it's it's not like we actually found this kind of by luck. This could have been operating in the dark for many, many more years without anybody noting it. And you know for a fact that this isn't the only one, and we're gonna talk about this later. But at least now we have one. We have one that has been revealed to be doing what it's doing. We have seen the direct and indirect consequences of its actions. Most of them fucking horrifying. And still, we cannot do anything about it. Um, Lawyers of the victims have pursued legal action against the company. The lawyers themselves were targeted as well. Of course. They have pursued legal action against this company inside the Israeli law. The Israeli courts have dismissed all of the cases, refused to even hear them, um, citing that, well, here's the thing. Um, this NSO company is operating inside Israel, and um, what was it, Unit 40, Unit 00? No, they, that's the thing they have a relationship with, but they are operating in Israel with the full agreement of the Israeli government yes, for what, each what, and every sale they make of the, the technology. The, the, the body of the Israeli government that is like responsible for these kind of things is the kind of the... It's a very not, dubious situation. Yes. It's, the, it's an intelligence institution from which it's part of the military, uh, the Unit uh, 8200, which uh, recruits 18 to 21 year olds, um, even trains them from 16 year old with coding, um, <laughs> sets them to work on developing these kinds of technologies. And then when, uh, because they do get cycled out at that age of 21, a lot of them are then rolled into the economical part of that story where they develop companies uh, like this one. Israel's like um, counterpoint to all of these like claims of human rights violations and like um, misuse of such powerful software is well it's free real private enterprise like what do you want us to do about it? Anarcho-capitalism at its best. Literally. Yeehaw! Like, guns blazing. Like this is um, this is pretty fucked up and here, like, we have two, 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 uh, two approaches to this subject, and both of them are fucked up as fuck. Well, the first is, well, let's say it is a private company, and it's just a private company problem. It's it, the government is not supposed to uh, deal with it, and we're gonna fulfill every uh, neoliberal's idea of leave companies alone, stop the state mm-hmm. from interfering. Yes. Is it still okay that a private company can do this? And this is the first approach. The second approach is, we know for a fact that the Ministry of Affairs and the Ministry of Defense in Israel approves or disapproves of all experts, software or hardware or anything from the Israel, mm-hmm. from the Israeli land. So 
the Israeli government did approve exporting this software and selling it to Saudi government, to Iran, uh, not Iran, obviously, <laughs> to Saudi government, to UAE government, to even the Syrian government, actually. Mm. Always lovely to find them on the list. Yes. Um, so, first of all, I would argue against the private company, um, kind of like um, Edward Snowden, who I think most people know who Edward Snowden is, but for those who don't know, is the whistleblower that uh, revealed the extent of how the NSA have spy has spied basically on the American people for yes. years and years. That was the PRISM program. Yes. Um, you should watch the John Oliver episode on that one. That's a good one. Um, and he said, like, he, he, he calls for the an international ban or an international disallowance of mm -hmm. selling this kind of spyware or malware privately. There shouldn't be a trade of such harmful software. It shouldn't be approved as a product. So he's basically asking for it to be treated like nuclear weapons. Basically. Like a non-proliferation treaty. Yeah. You can't mm -hmm. sell it. You can't list it as one of your products. Like for now, because right now, like even though that might sound fucked up, you can still go to their website and if you get quote-unquote approved as a legit customer and if you can spare $50 million... Well, you have to be a governmental institution. Well, that's what they say. Yeah, true, true. It's not like I'm going to fully take their word on it, but still. <laughs> yeah. But uh, even if you're not, even if you, you can go to your... Even if you're a government, any government now in the world can go and do this, no matter mm -hmm. their human yeah, rights record. Noted, I'm not a fan of governments being able to do this either. Obviously. So, we have now a... The, the argument that you might hear for defense of this is, well, it's a private trade. What's the problem? And I think... It's two thieves trading who gets to, you know, steal our You're, stuff. You mean it's Facebook, etc. and... Or do you mean the government and Pegasus? Well, no, we mean the basically government and Pegasus, for now at least. This is the... Yes. Uh, this is a different kind of scale than what Facebook would be doing. At least for, for all we know right now, at least the one that... the I mean, if you know. look at Cambridge Analytica, okay, it was more influencing people than stealing their information, but they stole the information to then influence people. Of course, but so. uh, but even to that extent, honestly, like I know that we're, we're arguing here dystopia against another dystopia, but I would argue that using like information and selling it to totalitarian governments like Saudi Arabia for in order for them to track and kill somebody is a tad bit worse than collecting your data and putting it into an AI so they can sell you a better shirt. I mean, I feel like... On the other hand, the NSA also probably used information from Facebook, etc. But I do agree there's something ex explicitly more perverted about... Mm, it's, a, it's a clearly a weapon. It's, yes. an, it's, it's literally a weapon. a weapon. NSO is a hunting dog for the governments they sell it to. So it should be treated as a weapon, maybe? Yeah. yeah. And that's what Snowden is calling for. Um, another thing we talked about, me and Tom, before the podcast started is, well, this kind of technology shouldn't exist in private or in a state hand. Mm -hmm. And I think we also agree on this. Um, 
the prison project done by the NSA is not any better than this. No, and in that, um, I think uh, to drop another name, uh, Cory Doctorow has a has a brilliant uh, point that he makes. Um, uh, another thing we were doing before the podcast was me fiddling with my phone, discovering that I cannot open it. It was an earlier model of my phone <laughs> in which I could replace the battery and take it out. With the he new was model. totally oblivious to that being a thing. <laughs> I seriously still had the image of the old phone in my head. And it kind of pisses me off now knowing that I can't do that anymore because that is the way to fully turn that thing off. Yes. And For I have any non-technical people saying, well, just turn off your phone. Honestly, it's not that simple because even if you turn off your phone, your phone still has some... Um, as long as it has power it has something that can be connected to and turned on. Um, how does your phone keep the clock, for example, in sync, even if you turn it off? Good point. So I feel so stupid not having thought of that before. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, the clock thing could be resolved with, yes, it just connects to the internet once you turn it on. Yeah, but that's not how it works, actually. At least not for older models. Older models have something inside the motherboard, on your computer, on your, on your phone there's a unit of computing that keeps track of time. And that's one of the many things that can be installed on your phone or your device that even if you turn off your phone, quote-unquote, turn off your phone, you're cutting off the power to whatever the manufacturer decided that you can turn off the power to. And it's very sickening. It is. But that's basically what Dr. O argues against. Like, we should lift the bans on... We should lift the, uh, the, the ability for a company to determine what you can and cannot do with the phone. You buy it, you own the thing, and you should have complete access to uh, use it as you see fit and to replace Definitely. its parts, etc. Because uh, he explains in that way, uh, we could all dig into, or everyone that has the interest to, could legally dig into... Power yeah, rather could, than rely on Apple. We could dig into it, find the, the mistakes that exist, and share them so that they could be patched and fixed quicker because now that is illegal it's illegal to try and hack your systems your phones etc and share the knowledge of most of the time it's just against private uh, the uh eula thing the user agreement yeah you and um, but they can go after and it and technically if they want they can go and after even it, if they yes. don't have to do it we have seen multiple times the fact that it exists as a law is discouraging enough for people not to indeed, do it indeed indeed like people are just signing on this thing and like the one of the reasons why you can't open your phone anymore and take out the battery is another point like you could argue that it's for the spyware stuff but it's also like well we don't want people to fix their own phones mm -hmm. we want them to come to us to purchase a support license, to pay fixed fees. Yeah, or to just have the phone be so outdated that it would be more Need expensive to, be to get a new battery than it would be to just exactly. get a new phone. And yeah. I think it's, it's yeah, it's obviously it's a very good, it's a good direction to go like any software you buy, any hardware you buy, you should own it. Yeah, and that's how we improve defenses. I mean, even think about it, that's just pure logical thinking. Historically, how has how have defense mechanisms developed in warfare? Because they have been tested, breached, and somebody came up with a solution to then patch that breach or to fix it or to, you know, defend against the newest offensive technology. And it's worth saying that the exploits being used by Pegasus are only most of the time mostly like they are mostly apparent and um, 
present in Apple's security, mm. specifically iMessage app. And like Tom said, as a, like there were some users that wanted to help, they couldn't because they can't really work on it. Um, Apple does actually offer a bug hunt mm -hmm. um, program where if you find a bug with their software, you can get up to $10,000 in prizes. Here's the thing. Yeah. If you find a bug like that and you try to sell it to Pegasus, you probably will gain like $50 million. Yeah, you because... See? Like, it's not... That it's I, I, get, I kind of like, okay, they're going for the price thing and it's like, but that's not how this should work. Yeah, because you've... Uh I mean, doing the research, we've seen that Pegasus hires ex-NSA members, or, or, or was it? Well, not Pegasus really hires any. I know, I know, Pegasus, NSO uh, hires. Um, it's more like the clients of NSO, one of them being a company in the UAE called Dark Matter, very ominous name. <laughs> um, totally not an evil corporation. It, obviously not. Um <laughs> Did actually hire, like it has been proved that they hired uh, ex-NSA employees as consultants. Mm -hmm. And this dark matter company was one of the biggest clients and operators of the Pegasus spyware. Uh, and because I remember, and, and finding it in the research, in 2019 when WhatsApp discovered the breach, NSO employees actually had the arrogance, and I find this very interesting, the arrogance to then complain to WhatsApp about the fact that WhatsApp fixed the bug or fixed the, the leak and was like, and, and because they said, How, you just improved your security. You just cut off our like biggest access to, the, to your system. <laughs> Why did you do that? Wow. And it's like, how can you, that requires a specific level of arrogance, like of, of arrogance or just like, like, like straight up, Psychopathy. It's but like I mean, this is our right to. But I mean, if you're if you're in a position where with one snip of your fingers you can probably gain any information you want True enough. about any person on this planet, of course you're gonna be a fucking arrogant bitch. Like that's literally like god level fair, power. Fair enough. <laughs> but like, it, I think it is also like uh, just to keep the discussion kind of grounded. This is not like some kind of super weapon, like sci-fi thing. This. This takes a lot of money, and the reason why they don't use it on every phone is because it's um, you have a kind of a limited amount of exploits you can use. And because of computer capacity? or Kind of, and the second one is, well, let's say you use an exploit to spy on Jamal Khashoggi's phone. The exploit does get like public now. Apple fixes it. See what I mean? Like the more you use it, the more people yeah, yeah. can find. Away. And then you yeah. have a f to find a new exploit, and that costs a lot of money because, first of all, like the people working on this are getting obscene amount of money. We are talking about like one of, if not the most sophisticated cybersecurity firm in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, and like th this is why this is kept for these high-profile targets. And if you're an activist, if you're a lawyer going, going for a good cause, be careful. Don't get too popular. And it's also the threat of the weapon existing. Exactly. And of exactly. The, because you never know. It's kind of also that, that element of you never know what the new exploit is going to 
be, or if there is an exploit in the current version, and if they have already discovered it. Here's the truth. Technically speaking, there is no version of your phone that is unhackable. Mm-hmm. Literally. There is not a single one. It's always, cybersecurity is a game of cat and mouse. The hacker finds an exploit, the manufacturer fixes it. The hacker finds a new exploit, the manufacturer fixes that. Talking about sensitive information, if you're a lawyer, please don't use your phone. Don't use WhatsApp. There are some other better um, communication services like Signal. Yeah, which is what Forbidden Stories, the organization that published uh, and helped uh, do this investigation, uses as part of their system of you know, gathering and keeping information safe uh, for journalists that get threatened. Um, and a lot of activists already use it, so we definitely encourage that, the spread of that app. Yes, indeed. And But also that app needs funds to further develop because right now it's still quite... Um, not, not the most user-friendly app, no. uh, it, I would but say. But that's the thing. You're also sacrificing a lot of functionality for security. Exactly, yeah. And that's the thing. Like, even with this app, Please don't get the wrong idea that, okay, this is going to like... Magically s- fix everything. No, no, because your phone is not a simple piece of software or hardware. It's a pretty complicated thing. That's a lot of stuff that happens in the background without your knowledge that is supposed to be serving you. But all of this stuff is also very exploitable. And we kind of had a, like a deal with the devil for all of this f- functionality and simplicity of you just click a click on the button of your phone and you find your phone like I can mm-hmm. like all of the location surfaces all of the GPS all of this can also be used Google where's my Google phone? where's my phone that's something <laughs> I've done more than once uh, me too yeah and it's like your phone is highly exploitable that's all I'm gonna say so if if you have like s- some situation where it's actually like sensitive threats mm-hmm. you can't use your smartphone you just can't because it will always be under the threat of being exploited and tracked. You have location services. You have, and like we said, here's the thing. Like you talked about um, the idea of let's open these phones, software and hardware wise, to the community so they can yeah, so work we can imp- so we can get defensive but improvement it's on the worth s- on the speed. It's yeah. worth saying that what Pegasus does as the first thing it does when it hacks into your phone, it installs a jailbreak software. Yeah, so it releases the, so, the limits of Apple that exactly. Apple places onto so it. Yes. What we are calling here for is also like, we shouldn't have a limits from Apple. No, indeed. So, But this is also going to take a while for us to work with. So what Pegasus does, it, it, it releases all of the security locks that Apple has in place mm-hmm. so it can do its thing. And the idea is, well... Apple then must have a very good security system and that's why they need to break it. But it is breakable. Mm-hmm. And I think Apple and other um, hardware and software manufacturers need to come to terms with the fact that there is no security system that they can have in place that is unexploitable. The best thing to do for them morally and from a PR point of view is to open this kind of thing to the community, to the open source community, to the white hat hackers, so that they can fix these exploits right away, that they keep it yeah. live updated. You can't have this thing as a point of selling 
or a point of profit. Apple has always prided itself on the idea of, oh, but it's an Apple phone. It's much more secure than an Android. Well, you have we have seen lately what, what this means. You can't have it as a profit thing to keep for yourself. You can't just keep the system locked for you and your employees and then some fucking hacker from NSO comes and fuck you. It's much more secure to keep this thing kind of live updated and live patched through the community work. And that's a good point. Yeah, but like then we're back to the open source discussion which we've had before. Like it is important that we go there, but... All roads lead to Rome. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, and it's it is still. I don't want to say utopia, but it is still far in the future. And even then, like, if you actually open the phone for the owner, right? If you mm -hmm. give all of the access to the owner of the phone, how many illiterate tech people will? Yeah, that is a that is an issue. Yeah, as well. yeah, but like, what I mean is it's important to also see that this is more of a long-term solution to go full open Indeed. source. And what is the more direct solution? Because right now people are literally dying over this. Like they're being... The direct solution, I think, is at least to stop the bleeding, to stop this, is what Snowden suggested. We shouldn't have... I mean, here's the thing. How to fix all of the world's problem? Abolish capitalism. That's not going to happen anytime soon. That's Rome. <laughs> So under, under this capitalist system, I don't think it should be okay to promote and sell malware and malicious software like this openly and publicly without any, without any uh, precautions, without, any, uh, without it being even illegal. Repercussions, like, you mean? I, I, do, do, wait, I'm going to ask a question that I'm actually like surprised that I don't know the answer to. Mm -hmm. Is it legal to sell weapons? Yes. Yes. Okay, then we have a bigger problem. <laughs> like, yeah, is, it, is it legal to sell it's, weapons it's to anybody to who tries to to buy them? Well, of course you have. See, here is the thing with weapon sales: it is the UN has some standards and imposed, but of course in the UN. The UN is a nice idea, but the power of the strongest works. So you can't really sell weapons to Cuba yeah, because but the US says no. you can sell weapons to the neighboring countries, etc. And you can't officially sell certain weapons, like let's say <clears throat> chemical weapons yes. that have been outlawed and, uh, and banned. And yet somehow the Syrian government managed to get their hands on them. Weirdly enough, it's, truth is, yeah. but yeah, we can so, because Bolonia, the part of Bel the southern part of Belgium, yeah. is one of the biggest weapons. Uh, so yeah, I think it's, it's producers. Yeah, as a as a much more like as a short term, like that needs to be done as soon as possible. Solution to this is to classify this kind of spyware and malware as we classify chemical weapons. Mm -hmm. This is a first step, and it's by no means enough. We no, should reach no. a point where. Selling or manufacturing even something like that is just prohibited. We shouldn't be... Even weapons, like physical weapons. I don't think that they, it should be legal to sell these things to anybody. But... Yeah. <laughs> like, especially like... Here's well, the, yeah, then you get to the issue of, okay, but then you need to... How, how are our military forces going to sustain themselves I mean, if they don't have access to weapons I think in a legal it be, way? In, 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 I, should it, I think it should be... Manip weapon manufacturing should be state-sponsored. It shouldn't be a private company that has contractors that can sell their weapons and export them to any fucking government in the world. And I know that this is also not ideal, 
Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I will maintain that under our current system, this is much better than having a private company who's like, hey, by the way, like imagine if a private company was just selling fucking nuclear weapons to anybody who would buy them. Yeah, I think I do think the comparison with the nuke is kind of not completely wrong. It is it it is an incredibly influential thing. Of course, of course. But like um, I agree that the software should be treated the same way that mad weapons, mutually mm-hmm. assured destruction weapons are being handled. Chemical weapons are also part of that to some extent. Um, but I do think weapons in general are technically a different story until we reach a point where we can be quite sure that we don't need grand-scale military actions mm-hmm. to defend ourselves. Um, I mean, you know my answer. I don't like the governments in general to have any of the... I don't like governments, okay? Um, well, yeah, but state. like, you know, I mean, again, I do want to use the card. I do want and to... And there's good and bad to that, and it depends on... I do want cetera, to use the cardinal ritual use... <laughs> quote because I do teach history and I find it incredibly amazing that um, Bruce Schneier, a, a computer security expert, used it. Uh, Cardinal Richelieu, which was, you know, the historical figure responsible for enabling absolutism in France, um, said, if one would give me six lines written by the hand of the most honest man, I would find something in them to have him hanged. And referring to how a state government can find aspects in a person's life in order to prosecute or blackmail that individual. Of course, like like we said, this, like, this this spyware should definitely be an aspect of mad or like you know maybe we should redefine mutually assur- assured destruction weapons. And one of uh, one, one other in part a digital of age. Yeah, I'm done. One one other part <laughs> of this conversation is like um, like what when I talk to people about this, they weren't like. This shouldn't be okay. They were like, okay, but how do we define a terrorist? Because they're selling it to counter terrorism. So how do we define terrorists? Yeah, and counter criminals, but But here's the thing. This is not like even if you define criminals and terrorists as the best way you can and have a global definition of that, you know for a fact that some fucking government will use it to uh take down opposition. Like like Tom Scott, it's any person saying anything can be persecuted by the government or by the state as a criminal or as a terrorist. Yeah, I personally, I would rather have them have one less tool to track down terrorists than have them have a tool to kill activists and lawyers True. for no fucking reason. I mean, reason. but then you have, you have also the other part of the story too that some Israeli generals were like, so, like this is a direct quote. I know for a fact more than three terrorist attacks that were prevented using this technology. Yeah, but, I mean, three terrorist attacks that were prevented, that's a questionable thing, because be- because of state security, they can never actually prove that or share that information. So we, we clearly we can't, don't know We can't it. verify it. And it's but just, would you be surprised it just, if it was true? Would you think it's unthinkable? No, I don't think it's unthinkable, but the truth is, which we have just seen, um, referring to a Democracy Now! episode from the 26th of July, uh, called Committing the Truth, whistleblower Daniel Hill to be sentenced Tuesday for drone program leaks, we have seen that the US, time and time again, determines what a terrorist is quite loosely. Anyone that was, when a person gets targeted and they get hit and taken out, anyone casually in 
any relationship with that person is just considered to be an acquaintance and an accomplice. Doesn't matter that it's a fucking grandma going to get her groceries in the store across She's the corner. A terrorist. It's <laughs> it's absurdity, and it's 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 straight up. Uh, it's the most inhumane way of doing things. Yeah. So, what is a terrorist? Is indeed something that has to be very carefully considered because states can. I, I think it's it's good that you bring out like the uh, drones um, program mm-hmm. because I think one like other um, aspect of this whole thing is the kind of depersonalization and dehumanizing of this technology. Yeah. Like when we talk about nuclear weapons. We know how fucked up it is. You can see a human literally melting. But then you have something yes. like a drone strike where... It's a screen. It's you a look screen. at a screen and it's, you it's see something a, go boom. Boom. And that's it. We uh, The same thing for this kind of spyware. It's, it's a pretty good movie about how inhuman drone strikes are. It's called Eye in the Sky. Just nice. a side note. <laughs> No, but like that's that's. If you want to get a feeling for that, yeah, that's kind of just my point. Like um, these kind of things, it's it's hard to um, bring the public's attention to it so passionately as you can to a nuclear weapon, and it kind of comes back to the should you care or not about your privacy. And the truth is, yeah, because even even the fact that you're being surveilled, whether or not you want to do something that isn't. that you don't want others to see, the fact that you're being surveilled is already an, uh, a, uh, an invasion. A breach of, of an invasion well, of your freedom. I also think that one thing that we can see nowadays is that if we look back to the past where we didn't have Pegasus or any of that shit, and we look to now, are there that many less terrorist attacks around? Like, I don't feel like... You don't feel safer, do you? I don't feel safer. So I don't see where they take the audacity to say, oh yeah, but three terrorist attacks were prevented by the software, so that makes it right for us to continue to threaten people's lives that are trying to fight for the last bits of human dignity that they have in their countries. It's It's ridiculous. And it's a story that's not that new, to be honest. Like, talk to any American and they will tell you um, America post 9-11 is kind of a country that... Many Americans will describe it as a country that sold freedom for security. And it feels like they they didn't get either... And because it isn't a true trade, it's, it isn't it's not. security versus uh, privacy. It's liberty versus control. You yes. traded liberty for control. It's, and it's, it's wrong to frame it as security versus privacy because it's just not true. No, because some people will choose security over privacy, but that's not what's happening. You're not no. getting more security. Because as you said, you can't actually prevent the next new idea. It's the same as uh, Adam Ruins Everything also has a great episode on this when he refers to the TSA and he points out that going through that metal detector is basically security theater. It is a show because it doesn't stop anyone. That entire airport security doesn't stop anyone from coming up with new new and creative ideas to blow up a plane or hijack it. It is always... It's literally theater. It is always a, a, a game between trying to breach security and defenses and trying to improve them once once they're breached. And the best thing you can do is try and prevent people wanting to do shit like that. 
and fixing the breach as quickly as it arises. And fixing the breach, like we said, shouldn't be a private enterprise. No. It should be a an open discussion between users, between consumers, between the manufacturers. You want as many brains on that issue as exactly. you can. Um, I think that's yeah, our podcast, actually. We have discussed all there is to discuss. I think it is important that everyone who is listening... Uh, continues to educate themselves on this topic. Uh, look up how you can view what data is being collected about you, but not just you know think about your own life because as we've discussed today, it's not important whether you have anything to hide or whether you're an activist or a lawyer. Like security is something that uh, is important for every one of us, and anything can basically be used against you if someone really wants to harm you and you're only as secure as your cl- as, as as your least secure close person like if you're True. if your yeah. parents do not have a decent security you're basically fucked because they can see oh that phone is in the same place as that phone and we pick some other data from that person and it's it's pretty easy to yes go from there but uh and you had one solution, my uh, my grandma's phone. Yeah, the <laughs> Nokia. Um, just just get yourself maybe one of those old phone lines too. Just you you don't need phone, you don't need JSMs. Like come just, on, just go mm. live in the woods. Honestly, that also would work. Like uh, go off the grid. And here here we have like the uh, the uh, the leftist uh, counterpart of the Republican going to the woods and carrying just uh, a gun and a knife and living off hunting because they don't want the state to monitor them. And here's the thing, like this kind of technology, like we talked, if Apple or Google were to use their technologies and their data as NSO is doing, we would be living in a literal dystopia. Mm. And I think that's also worth noting. For at least for now, at least for now, as far as we know, they're not that fucked up. Mm -hmm. They do have Mm. the power to be that fucked up though. So stop giving them ammo. Start taking care of your personal yeah, like data. If, if, if we would have a Hitler, like like let's look at Germany in the Second World War, right? If we mm-hmm. would have a Hitler in uh, America that would have the same power that Hitler had, because of course we could say Trump was kind of a Hitler figure, but like he yeah. didn't have no, no, that sort of limited. absolute yeah, power that Hitler had at the time. And like Hitler had all of these corporations kind of, he could just tell them what to do. He could tell uh, Ford, no, what was it? He could tell several countries to rebrand, etc. because he didn't like former names they had because they had some link mm-hmm. to Jewish people, stuff like that. Um, and he could tell car companies to make cars that fit his idea of the war kind yeah, of aesthetic, I'm- blah, blah, blah. You know, if 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 we live in a country like that, and of course nobody thinks that, or like nobody hopes that Hitler would ever come back, but if it would happen, just know that these country uh, these companies would all be able to be turned into NSO types of con- uh, of or companies. Imagine sending or the national worse. guard into Google, Facebook, those, exactly. and, like if- and just taking them over by force. The dystopia is just too fucked up to even imagine honestly to imagine so and it shows you how how dangerous these weapons are because that's i think the whole point of this podcast just acknowledging that 
And make no mistake, security they are weapons. Security are weapons, yes. Uh, like, it is so powerful that it can become a weapon. And uh, my necessary rebuttal for the left... Why the fuck aren't you designing an alternative system to this? <laughs> like, what what, I mean, what are you doing? I think doing? open source is... Yeah, why aren't you investing massively in open source? Well, because we're still trying to combat climate change, sexism, homophobia, and the <laughs> list goes on. Racism, you know. <laughs> Get better at capitalism, leftists. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay. Um, we'll see you guys next you week. Guys. <laughs> and uh, yeah, don't forget to subscribe, subscribe and like. And please give us any feedback if there's any topics that uh, entice you. Share them with us because we like your data. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Give us your data. But voluntarily. <laughs> Feels very dubious. Yes. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay,